0: Welcome to Mind Body Soul Radio, broadcasting from New York City with Mind Body Soul Yoga Studio founder and mystic mama, Alyssa Snow. Awakening, healing, yoga. We're getting real and we're getting gritty because, as they say, no mud, no lotus. And now, your host, Alyssa Snow. Hello again, this is Alyssa Snow with mind, body, soul radio, reporting, recording <laughs> from my very professional kitchen. So let's tune in together. We've got a juicy subject matter today, I think, but let's all get on that same wavelength. if you don't mind, close your eyes. Take a nice deep breath in. Nice, complete breath out. I honor the father, the intellect, the healthy problem-solving and psychological mind. I honor my father, all fathers before him and all fathers now. I honor those qualities within him and me and all. I honor the mother, the nurturing, unconditional love of a full heart. I honor my mother, all mothers before her and all mothers now. I honor those qualities within her and me and all. I honor the teacher and the carriers of knowledge that become wisdom. Teachers that come in all forms and all situations, I honor them. I honor the teacher and the wisdom within me and all around me. Life is a teacher and I am its student. I honor God and the loving energy of intentional creation. I honor creation in its natural time. I honor the creation of myself and life all around me. I honor creation as an expression of love. I invite my teachers and my guides, masters, and all loving beings of the light to be with me today in my practice and my day, in this podcast recording with you, so we may have our hearts and minds infused with the light of our soul, so we may know to surrender instead of control. So I've been giving that thought a lot of thought. This, this line that I, that I say to myself every single day. May I know to surrender instead of control. And it's a juicy one. I remember um, a few years back, I wrote a book. It's a cute little book. And it's called Yoga and the Process of Awakening. And it was an interesting experience when I when I wrote the book. I didn't intend to actually write a book, interestingly enough. Um, I was on my yoga mat and I was just spacious, right? Spacious in my mind and spacious in my body and I was just practicing. I think I was even in down dog. And all of a sudden I had this, I guess you could call it a download. I don't want to sound too hippy dippy there, but it was kind of like the closest thing I've ever had to a download in that I had a fully formed idea in my mind all at the same time and in my mind this was a 6 week course a yoga course that consisted of of different ideas and different practices yoga practices so on and so forth and so the 6th week was called trust or surrender and it was the shortest chapter <laughs> it ended up being the shortest chapter that i wrote cuz each of the weeks if you will had like ebook content and so that was the shortest one. And I remember someone who read the book or did the course said to me, well, you know, the, everything was really meaty. And then we got to the last chapter and it was just, it was just so it was light. There wasn't, it wasn't much. You didn't write much about that. I thought to myself, I probably told him this too. Well, I'm still figuring out the whole surrender thing, trust thing. Clearly, I'm still working on it. And spirit had even indicated to me that you're in week six of your own program for like ever. I don't know. But surrender is, is an interesting idea that I'd like to talk to you about because last, last episode I was talking about the, the power of money as a teacher and how when we don't have a solution for something in particular, right, say we have a problem, we have a conundrum, and we don't know what the solution is. We just don't know. And we can use our minds, we can use our egoic minds, our conceptual problem-solving minds to try and grasp for a solution. Or we could just let go and be quiet and wait for a solution to come to us. And if you're a doer like me or a go-getter or someone who's a little bit, I don't know, I go get things. That's a hard practice. So just wait for inspiration or wait for opportunity or wait for solution. And so this has become a primary practice for me. Well, because I'm prone to anxiety, first of all. And so anxiety is incredibly uncomfortable. And I know many of us are prone to anxiety, prone to worrying worry thoughts. I mean, I'm capable, if I don't take care of myself, and I don't eat well, and I don't do my yoga and do my meditation, I will wake up at three in the morning and worry about things that make like that make no sense. Like, you know, oh, I haven't heard from this friend in a really long time. And I wonder why they they don't, they're not friends with me anymore. I wonder if I said something that really bothered them, or maybe they just don't like me or I mean, that's the sort of nonsense that will go through my mind, and it gives me a bellyache. Worry mind, right? This is the egoic conceptual mind that is constantly talking to us, constantly talking, constantly, constantly. It's our it's our dialogue. And so, one of the first steps that I've found in in learning how to surrender is cultivating the power of presence. This is what Eckhart Tolle talks about in his book, The Power of Now, living in the present moment, being mindful of the present moment. And so it's so interesting because these are buzzwords, right? These are buzzwords and phrases that we hear in yoga class that we read in you know, magazines or we hear people talk about being mindful and the importance of mindfulness and the importance of the present moment. But what, what does that really mean, right? How do we know when we're not mindful? Most humans on this earth are sort of sleepwalking. And what I mean by that is we're not being mindful. They're immersed in thinking, walking down the street or driving in their car and thinking. Thinking about what happened yesterday, thinking about what they want to happen tomorrow, thinking about what their to-do list is or daydreaming. But you know what I mean, we're, being, we're immersed in our thinking. And so this is sort of a, a, I guess, a version, if you will, of sleepwalking through life because we're not awake. So I talked a bit about that last week. And so what what's the difference, though? This is an interesting distinction that I like to make for myself. What is the difference between meditation and mindfulness? Well, mindfulness to me is is the constant application of attention to your moment. And further, acceptance of your moment. And so you could be doing absolutely anything and being with anyone. And if you've given that moment your full attention, you're being mindful. And so have you ever had a conversation with someone... And they're just talking, 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 talking. Maybe they're a big talker, like my nine-year-old. I love her. I pick her up from school and she begins to talk. And then she talks nonstop for 90 minutes. And she's really capable of this. It's fascinating. And it's sort of her way of recharging and relaxing at the end of the day. And it's, an, it's, it's I have to say, a sincere effort on my part to give her my full attention. Mostly because I have absolutely no idea what she's saying half the time in terms of talking about her friends and this drama and that drama and I, I have to, it's hard to keep up. She's talking really fast. But I find that as she's talking or if I'm cooking dinner while she's still talking or if I'm driving the car while she's still talking, my mind wanders to other things and she's sort of talking in the background, but I'm not giving her my full attention. I'm sort of thinking about other things. And so that's what I mean about mindfulness. right? So I I make a big effort to give her really 100% of my attention, which is hard because usually she's talking to me while I'm trying to do other things like prepare dinner, get us home. And so it's difficult to be really 100% mindful when you're splitting your attention in that way. But if you continue to cultivate it, The effort of it, right? Even taking a shower, for example. How many times have you jumped in the shower and turned on the water and started to do your thing in the shower and you're thinking about what your day is going to be like, who you're going to be seeing in your day, what do you have to accomplish that day, like your basic calendar, right? You're going through your calendar of the day. Or maybe you're going through the calendar yesterday and seeing how that all went in the shower. What if you got in the shower and you turned on the water and you felt the temperature of the water and you really sort of acknowledged that temperature, felt it, and then got into the water and felt that water on your skin, smelled the shampoo or the soap, and really used the sensations of your shower, whether it's the temperature and the feel of the water the sense of your shampoo or soaps, the feel of the cool air on the skin compared to the warm water, all of that. If you gave the sensation of taking a shower, the sensations, there's many, your full attention. You got out of your thinking mind. That's practicing mindfulness. Meditation is a state of being in the present moment for long periods of time. And so that state of being is an experience, a meditative state. So oftentimes we sit down on our meditation cushion and we say we have a meditation practice and that's simply the act of concentrating on a single point for an extended period of time. Watching the mind wander and then bringing it back to the present moment. Watching how you're thinking about something and going off on a tangent and coming back to your breath or whatever it is your focal point is. And so that's, that's the difference that, that I experience. And so in order to really cultivate the capacity to surrender we have to first start to really be able to distinguish between our thinking mind, our conceptual mind, and our non-conceptual mind, that aspect that is here and now, that's more expansive than just thinking. Now, I, I do this straight up by using my breath. My breath is, and your breath, our breaths, all of our breaths, are just the best tool to land in the present moment. And so I could be walking down the street and thinking about, <laughs> this has happened to me before because I'm, I'm a, unfortunately, this is just the phase of my life I'm in. I'm really scheduled. I've got two little kids. I have the business. I see clients. I teach classes. My husband has a really long commute Um, He's a college professor and he has a really long commute, so he works really long hours four days a week. So a lot of the teachers' conferences and class meetings and class trips and, you know, meetings with lawyers because one of my children is a foster child, all that sort of stuff tends to fall on me when he's in session. So there's a lot of scheduling. And there's a lot of double booking, (laughs) that happens sometimes right I have to teach a class or I have to do something in the school I need to do something for Lily or Amanda right so there's conflicts and so I've caught myself sometimes walking down the street trying to use my my mind my thinking mind to solve a conflict right time conflict not a personal conflict like just figuring out how I'm going to work out my schedule And it creates anxiety, have you ever noticed that the more you think about a problem, you get anxiety, it creates worry, especially if you don't have a solution. It creates a physical effect in the body that's unhealthy and uncomfortable, right? So when we worry and when we are upset about something, then our cortisol levels increase, our adrenals start to to secrete cortisol, which is the stress hormone, which ultimately creates this cascade effect over time. When we have too much cortisol in our system, our, our body experiences inflammation. And when our body experiences inflammation, that leads to a whole other cascade effect of problems. Sicknesses, diseases, all sorts of things. So stress is a problem. In our society, and and even so, if you look at if you look at articles about stress and articles about you know death. Sorry to get all on you, but one of the number one causes of death is stress and stress related illnesses. And then, what creates our stress, for the most part, thinking, thinking, anxiety, worry about problems that we perceive that we have. And so we can be thinking about a problem, whether it's the cash flow problem I was telling you about last episode or, or a benign scheduling problem or maybe even a really freaking huge problem like you're just diagnosed with a, with a really serious disease and you're trying to figure out what course to take in terms of your treatment, really. Big problems. People are confronted with big problems. And the mind, our egoic mind, our conceptual mind, wants to solve all those problems. And it's a great tool for solving the problem. It is. However, we're using that tool incorrectly. We're letting it lead the problem solving action. Instead, The act of surrendering is flipping it a little bit or a lot of it and getting quiet, really quiet. And when you can't quiet the mind, just come to your breath and remember, always remember, and this is something that I remind myself of all the time, the absolute best thing I can be doing for myself in this moment of tension, in this moment of stress, in this moment of anxiety, the absolute best thing that I can be doing for myself is watching my breath and quieting my mind. And so doing that creates a completely different experience when we're able to really, really cultivate that skill. And it is a skill and it takes practice because we're so patterned to be in our thinking minds. We're so used to using thinking as the go-to solution for a problem. And our conceptual mind has all of these solutions and all of these ideas and all of these um possibilities all in there. But wouldn't it be better if those ideas came to us through the prism of our soul? So what the hell does that mean, right? (laughs) When we are quiet, when we're able to really cultivate quiet and really observe The thinking mind, and create a detachment from it. Meaning, we know when we're immersed in thinking, we know how to pull ourselves out of it. Then we're then we're starting to shift from ego, which Eckhart Tolle defines ego as the unobserved mind. So when we're immersed in thinking, and we're using our thinking as the primary tool for solving our problems well then we're in an an egoic state and the ego if you will is in the driver's seat of our life experience but the ego is really just a computer program right an ego is the the sum total of all of our life experiences and all that we've learned and it's super important absolutely this computer system that we have within us is of vital importance but imagine if your computer system started to think that it was the user as well and started to tell you what to do. Imagine if you booted up your, um, your Mac every morning and your Mac said, okay, this is your to-do list for the day. This is what you do. Right? That doesn't really make sense. And so the computer within us thinks it's the creator as well. It thinks it's the boss. It's in the driver's seat. And so we have to shift that a little bit. We don't want to throw the ego out of the car. But maybe put that ego in the back seat. And when we're really able to practice mindfulness and be connected with our breath and connect with the present moment, especially in times of high stress, this is, this is, the path of surrendering. We're just softening into the present moment using our breath. Oftentimes, when we're at home and we're relaxing and we're, you know, we're like at three in the morning when all of a sudden I wake up and I'm having these anxiety, what's useful about this thinking mind wondering about all these things that that have no bearing on my day? So these... Certainly at three in the morning, right? So these thoughts that run rampant in our minds, they can they can really attack us, if you will. At times that we don't want to be attacked when we want to be sleeping. And so we have to tame it. We have to work. This is effort, right? This takes effort. It's a practice. And the more we do this, something happens to us. Something happens to us spiritually. We begin to sense a bigger picture. We begin to sense that this space that we're cultivating in our mind is deeper than just a little bit of silence in between the thoughts. There's a richness about this silence. There's an intelligence in this silence. That's far beyond what my conceptual mind can grasp. And in my experience, I've found that if I just allow myself to get quiet in times of stress, first and foremost, I feel better. I mean, really, it's far more pleasurable to watch my breath, and to feel the sensations wash over my body than it is to worry about stuff. It just is. So first and foremost, I come back to my breath. And with practice there, you'll start to sense this sort of presence. That's you and your awareness, yes, but it's deeper. And then from that presence, what I find absolutely fascinating, ideas come, revelations, solutions. From that presence, I'm able to see opportunities that may come to me through other people, through other people's ideas that I would not necessarily have been able to receive if my mind was busy thinking and trying to solve. You see, spirit, if you will, or our soul, or this presence or silence, however you wanna call it, works through our mind. It uses the mind to generate the thought to give us information. But if the thought is in the driver's seat, taking over, then the the spirit can't communicate. Not as clearly, right? And so this practice that I'm talking about, right, of mindfulness, this is the first step. And we can practice mindfulness in all sorts of different ways. So obviously I'm a yogi and obviously I practice yoga and I use this practice and the tools and techniques of yoga and meditation to cultivate mindfulness. My husband is a Buddhist. He's a meditator, but he doesn't, he doesn't particularly like yoga, but he's just begun to, to work and learn Qigong. And he's a runner, right? So there's lots of different ways to cultivate this silence and this ability to create space in between our our in our thinking, and when we're really able to do that, right? When we're really able to do that, then surrendering is a little easier. Well, a little more accessible, depending upon your situation. And so, there are situations that are that are you know dire. Life or death situations, I've never been in a life or death situation, thank goodness. I've never had to call upon my egoic mind in a moment's time for a, a life or death decision. But in those moments, I bet, if you've been able to cultivate this silence, it'd be accessible real quick. Versus if you are prone to anxiety and not used to the practice of stilling that and quieting that. Your responses may be out of fear and sort of knee-jerk. We can't really control the external world. Right? Things are going to happen to us. Things are going to happen to people around us. And the whole scale of you know good to bad. Here we are, we're on a really messy earth. We try really hard to control our experiences because we want to have good experiences. Sometimes we succeed. But more often than not, I think that that attempt for control causes pain. It causes us to experience pain And we don't even realize it. We don't even realize that we're storing pain in our energetic bodies and causing problems for later. And so surrendering. Simply start with your breath. The next time that you're in a really frustrating situation and you're not sure what to do, and you feel you have to make a decision, you feel you have to solve the problem, Get out of your head. Don't take your thoughts so seriously. And come to your breath. This is how we connect with our intuition. This is how we connect. This is what I'm talking about here. Connecting to your deepest self. Connecting to your intuition. Connecting to the deepest knowledge within you. This is how we do that. Come back to your breath. And stay there. Ask for a solution. Ask for an answer. And then wait get quiet and wait you know solutions don't always come right away this is what used to piss me off I have to be honest with you I'm I'm working on <laughs> I'm not the most patient soul and so um, I've come I've made great strides in in my life I, I have I really have. Certainly in the last 20 years, I think that in terms of my level of patience, I'm, I'm, I'm a much more patient woman than I was in, in my 20s. But still, there's certain things that I'm impatient about. But, you know, I'm a work in progress. We're all works in progresses. And so when we have a solution, when we have a solution that we need and we're trying to use the mind, Well, the mind will generate all sorts of options, like being in the grocery store, right? And there's like 14 different brands of cereal. Actually, I think there's probably even more than 14, right? But that's like the egoic mind is going to give you a whole bunch of different scenarios. Choose one. That's stressful. Or it's just going to tell you that the whole situation is fucked up and there's no solution and it's just going to suck. Well, that's painful too. So who knows what your egoic mind and your conceptual mind is going to generate. However, if you get quiet, and it's so counterintuitive, right? It really is. It feels like you're doing nothing, especially when, you know, when I'm running a business and I'm trying to be a responsible business person and I'm trying to manage you know, the inflow of money and the outflow of money and pay everybody on time and la, 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 la. And sometimes there are, there are situations where that is in question, And I still want to be responsible. And yet my hands are tied because I can't control how many sales we have in particular, right? And so what do I do? Am I going to react from a place of fear and lack and, and, oh my gosh, I have to solve this problem. Oh my gosh, I have to solve this problem. I've done that before and I've done sales or I've done promotions and... They don't really work, right? They work a little bit, but they don't, they don't create ease. Instead, what I've learned is that if I just breathe and get quiet and know that I've done everything that I can do, and I just surrender. And I just allow myself to be in a receptive state to receive ideas or solutions or opportunities that may change my situation for the better. And this is, to me, this is surrendering. Being able to connect with that silence and that trust that a solution will come Maybe not right away, right? Here's the impatient thing that I've gotten in the past because I'd think, okay, well, I'll just sit in meditation tonight and I'll get really quiet and then and then the solution will come. It doesn't really work that way. Not for me anyway. But what I find is if I just let my life unroll like a carpet, like imagine that there's this red carpet This was shown to me in a medicine ceremony once. Just let the red carpet unroll before you and let life happen breath by breath. Just let it happen. This doesn't mean we're passive, by the way. This is not passive at all. It takes a fair amount of effort to do this. (laughs) But when we let our life unroll and unravel before us, And I don't mean unravel in a negative way. I mean it when we let it unfold. That's a better word. Within that unfolding, there are opportunities. There are gifts. Someone may come into your life that can lead you to a solution. When we're in a state of quiet, spiritually, we're in a state of receptivity. We're prepped to receive. And so we do. Surrendering is a practice in and of itself. There's a book that I recommend called The Surrender Experiment with Michael Singer, I think it is, the author of The Untethered Soul, which is another great book. And he does this. Essentially, he just literally lets life unfold. And every time he has a really strong opinion about something, right, and a strong aversion, he challenges himself and he does the exact opposite. (laughs) So I, I, I invite you to read that book and see how that unraveled or flowed over the course of his experiment, which is a lifetime. I think he recorded the, it was over 30 years or something like that. So I continue to do this for myself. I continue to seek opportunities to surrender and life continues to give me opportunities to practice surrender. And I continue to find it hard, to be frank. But I'm so blessed to have these opportunities in this life. These rather benign if you think about it opportunities for surrendering we live in quite a quite a volatile world there's a lot of pain there's a lot of trauma there's a lot of people suffering and so it's important that we remember our gifts and our gratitude for a life as it is. And then from that place, your breath. Connect with your breath. Connect with this moment. And remember, no matter what happens, that is the absolute best thing that you can do for yourself in any situation, is come to your breath. Become hyper aware of your present moment, your body, the space in between the thoughts and act from that place. Make decisions from that place. Love to hear your thoughts on this and anything else you'd like me to talk about. I am always reachable at Alyssa at MindBodySoulYoga.com. dot com, and you can also leave comments at the podcast page or on my website. I'd love to hear from you. I'm really enjoying this experience of sharing and teaching in this in this form. So I hope that you're enjoying it as well. I hope you have a great day or evening wherever you are. Satnam Namaste. Peace out.